Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good day, James. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Jonas? I I am uh, superb. I heard you're locked in at your house. No, I'm good. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. So we have not talked since Austin Matthews broke the record and just like is like trouncing all over it and just going to set some crazy new mark that only he will probably ever challenge again. Uh, We need to talk about the Buffalo situation. Like, I don't want to go too deeply into it, but it is weird. Uh, the way that they've played Buffalo this season. There are some questions, obviously, to be answered on defense. Uh, Jack Campbell was a little banged up and obviously didn't start on Tuesday, so we got to get into that. We need to talk about the fourth line. What else do I have on my list? Andre Kasha. We got a lot to talk about, even though that game was pretty dull. I'm ready, Jonas. Bring, Bring it at me. Well, so I think we have to start with the Buffalo games just because it's it's most recent. Um, does anything about those games, including the one on Tuesday night, merit much interest for you? Like, or is it just like, for some reason, they play this team poorly? Like, their goaltending in some of those games has not been great. What, what do you make of their 1-3-1 and one record against the Sabres? You know what I thought the most interesting thing coming out of all of that yesterday was, was listening to Sheldon Keefe after the game. Did you hear his his post-game presser? Yes. He had like kind of like a really, he was upset with how the team played and he basically explained why, you know, late in the game he had scrambled his lines and Blackwell was playing with Matthews and that was kind of, he explained, was sort of out of frustration for the way his team was playing. And he basically said he did that. He scrambled the lines because watching them play and watching what they were doing, he's like, we didn't, we didn't come to play. Like we, our head wasn't in the game. We were doing, he didn't say it exactly like this, but basically we were doing dumb things. And, you know, it was pretty clear to me. I had to shake things up to try and get us out of the, whatever kind of headspace we were in. And, you know, and, and Keith had this, this long rant about, you know, the president's trophy and someone asked him if it's, is it important to win the president's trophy? And, you know, Sheldon Keefe talked about how, you, you know, you want to be the best team in the league. You want to win every single game. You want to compete with Florida for, for the, to win the division title and all those things. And, and basically his frustration was, you could tell, you know, like the, the, the way he talked is like, he believes that the Leafs are good enough to do that, but 
the reason he that Sheldon Keefe said that they they can't do that is they have too many games like the like the one they did against Buffalo. Yeah, and like you look at the division and you look at the President's Trophy, like they're ten points back of those teams, and if you just sweep Buffalo, you're like right there. You well, know, they and play it, Florida again, right? Not even just Buffalo, but I mean, there's there's been like a a bunch of yep Arizona dog, they lost to. I'm looking at the schedule right against now. Bad teams. The Montreal game, Buffalo, Vancouver, they lost to. Like, me, yeah, uh, Columbus. Let me let me pull up. I think it's worth just because, uh, like, I don't know how much we want to talk about what happened in the game. And <laughs> so after the game, the first question for Sheldon Keefe, uh, what are your impressions of the game? And all he says was, it wasn't good. <laughs> you know, and then, and then he says, I don't know why there he says uh, why was there a lack of effort he says i don't know there's four games against this team we've been no shows in all four it's hard to pinpoint it's been a month or so since the outdoor game against this team that we have had that we've had a game where we just weren't good in like i mean the, like the thing is that coming into that game the leafs have played really well for a long stretch of games they were yep. i think they were 10 2 and 1 in their last yep. 13 coming in which basically is- since that that outdoor game like they've played a lot better so Sheldon Keefe says, uh, we've played so well for most of the season against most of the teams in the league, but nights like this are holding us back from competing to win our division. That's the disappointing part. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see if there's, let's see if there's a part about the, uh, the question about does the president's trophy matter? I like this answer too. He says, you play 82 games in a regular season. You want to have your best every night. You want to compete to be the best. We are either, you're either competing or you're not. We want to be competitors. You want every point as a coach. I want every point. I want to win every game. I know that's extremely difficult to do. When you finish first, that's the result of doing what I'm saying, bringing it consistent, consistently. There is only one team that makes that claim. We feel like we have done enough good things to be in that conversation, but it's nights like this that hold us back. It doesn't mean that it's going to hold us back when the playoffs begin. Let's push past this and be ready for Washington. It was, it was, it was like a really, it was a good speech, you know, and it was the kind of speech you can get a window into what he's saying to the team after a game like that. Or potentially the next day or mm-hmm. at practice two days later, you know, like we we want to be the best team in the NHL when we play like this, when we show up like this against Buffalo, where we can't be the best team in the NHL. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I Like, I, there's not much I can quibble with. The only thing I would say with some of those, like, the two Buffalo games in March, Peter Mrazek was bad. And... That's something, but like clearly that they've been off against Buffalo. I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, he wants the I team to like push through those performances though, right? Like he wants the rest of the team to be good enough that it can compensate for when that happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you remember a couple of the games they put against or that one game against Arizona where they just like hammered, uh, was it Vimelka? Yeah. With like 50 some odd shots and just lost the game because he was like out of his mind. I mean, like if it's that, if if something like that happens four times, you're you're probably a little more okay with it. But when it's just like they don't have anything, well, and they yeah, were, like I, I sort of understand, it, James. They were outshot by Buffalo. Possession was in in Buffalo's favor. I think the scoring chances were slightly in the Leafs' favor. But like, I mean, you look at the talent disparity of who's on the ice, and Buffalo is playing a lot of young guys, and you know they they got 40 year old Craig Anderson's in net. Like, I mean, yeah. The only thing I'll say, James, like. I do think human nature, it's its sometimes can happen like that where, I mean, you just see Buffalo on the schedule, like you've been dialed in for a month. It's its April, like you've been dialed in since September. Like it's, it's hard to be 
completely dialed in and focused every single game. Like, I just think that's the reality of sports. Like, some nights you're just going to be shitty. You're just not going to have it. No, yeah. But, that's not excusing it. I just think that's reality. Yeah, I know. But what Keith's saying is that there are teams that are better than them that are like, are they making that excuse that like human no, nature? Yeah, it's fair. Or, you know what I mean? Like, fair. Is, yeah, is, fair. is the Panthers roster that much better than the Leafs roster? No. And if the answer is no, then where yeah. where that five win difference? Where is it coming from? And okay, well then that that's a good transition to pick through some of I think what is behind that beyond just the fact what we're talking about with like focus and mentality and all that kind of stuff. Um, they are getting nothing from their fourth line now. That's like a fourth line. Who cares? But on nights when their their top line doesn't score, which it didn't score against Buffalo. You look at the rest of the roster and you're like, okay, well, who's going to score? And this is like one of the questions that you and I have had about their team in the playoffs. It's like, wh- where are they going to get their, their offense? The Mikheyev Tavares Kerfoot line had been excellent before last night. Do you know what their expected goals were against Buffalo, James? I have it in front of me. Uh, did, did you see this? I did, no, I didn't look at I, I looked at like the overall. I didn't look at individual lines. Zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. Well, that's not in, good. In, in, in about five minutes. That's not good. Their fourth line of Blackwell, Abrazizi, and Spezza, 8%. Mm. So like, and, and obviously like, or seven, actually it's 6.4 when you adjust it. Yeah, I think the Abrazizi um, experiment is is over. It's can he play, not Can he play for great. the Marlies or is he just going to be in the press box or... Good question. Um, the problem is like they don't have the rest of the options aren't great either. Like Wayne big, Simmons, Jason Spezza, Kyle big Clifford is in the in the doghouse after that penalty took the other game. Yeah, which hurt them obviously. And then I wanted to get into this, and maybe this is a good time. It kind of feels like Andre Kasha. Like you have to start thinking maybe he doesn't come back. Oh yeah, this season. Like it's it's really sad, and but like. I was just thinking when uh, I was thinking back to your story, actually, uh, when they kind of officially said that he has a concussion, I was just like, man, he's been through so much. If I'm them and if I'm him, like I got to start thinking like about my life. Well, he's I mean, if you read my story, I mean, he's been thinking about that for two years. I mean, I mean, he missed most of last season and he said, you know, I, I don't I don't have it in front of me, but he said, basically, you're worried. Like, am I going to be okay? It's one of the things. He, yeah. he said in this story and I had a really, for that story, I had like a 25 minute interview with, with Andre and I, I don't, I don't know him cause we haven't been able to like be in person in the dressing room with the players, but he just really kind of opened up and his English is not great, but he really pushed through that to kind of really talk about what his life's been like since he, he moved to North America six and a half years ago. And it's been a real battle. And I think a lot of people in his shoes would have given up by now. And that's what, you know, and the the team loves him. Like they really love his personality. And I I think that he's in a good place with the Leafs organization because I think they're going to really, yeah, I I don't think they're going to abandon him. Like I think that, I I don't know what the contract situation, but I could see them keep him and just, even if it means that he's just working with their doctors for another year or something like that. Like I, it might make sense for the Leafs to try and like help them figure this out. I guess my response would be, how do you figure it out? Well, there have been guys in the NHL that have had concussions that have missed. Yeah, I remember Patrice Bergeron early in his career. Like it was like, that was the thing. One of the things that I didn't know we were going to talk about this today, but that's fine. Like one of the things that I didn't include in the story was that Kasha was in Boston and where Bergeron was. And Bergeron was one of the people that helped him, that he talked him through like, 
you know, missing so much time and coming back. And th- there have been stories of, of guys that, that have missed. Uh, Patrick Eves was another one. I think he missed a full season. Yeah. There have been players that have figured it out and been able to come back. Uh, the problem for Kasha is it's, I mean, it's, it was really his third game in North America in the AHL where he got his first concussion and it's been very constant since then. So you go through six and a half years of this and he's been seeing some of the best neurologists in, in North America, but I just wonder, it, it seems, you know, like we didn't find out that he's been out of the lineup for what, a month? And we didn't find out that he'd been diagnosed with a concussion until a few days ago. So mm-hmm. uh, my guess is that they've been putting him through all kinds of testing and, you know, this, the science on the brain science is, has, has made a lot of progress, but there's still a long way to go. So um, anyway, I, all that is to say, you know, you wish him the best and hopefully he can figure it out and hopefully at some point he can uh, get his life back to normal. Well, and I do want to say, James, like I want, I think the Leafs deserve credit for how they've handled him, how they handled Jake Muzzin. That, that, that's not normal how they handled those situations where they, like Muzzin was out like six weeks and was practicing for weeks. Like that's not how other teams in the past I've seen do it. Like they, they really want to be careful and not like they're thinking bigger than, than like we're yeah. talking about. They're thinking, Although, and I, I, yeah. To their credit, though, I mean, the Bruins only played him in, like, two games all of last season, right? Like, and, you know, the Ducks found him, like, the, one of the best concussion people in North America. And, like, like other teams have been trying to help him. You know, I th- No, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, I, what I'm saying is, like, he, like you said, like, I think there was a point where Sheldon Keefe was asked about it. And he said, like, he hadn't been diagnosed at that point. Right. They were just being careful. Like, they were, they were really taking precaution. Like, Muzzin, James, literally was practicing for, like... I don't know. I think it might have been a month or if it wasn't a month, it was three weeks that that wouldn't happen. Like he would have been put back in sooner. I mean, like I was just yeah. thinking like Andrew Kopp um, uh, with Winnipeg just before he got traded, he had a, a hit to the head after just coming back from a concussion. He was back like two nights later. And that's not to say that they did anything wrong. It's just like, it's just a different, more proactive way of handling it. But um, to bring it back to, this season, it's like we're in what the second week of April. Well, they miss the Kasha, play- right? I mean, I think that that's that's what we're getting. That's, at. that's why they, we're down. They need him on this yeah. tangent. Is that he was? I mean, he was playing on the first power play unit at one point. He was playing on the first line. He was he was effective on the third line. He's he's a very very good player when he can be at at full capacity. Well, and if you have him, and then you add Blackwell, suddenly like you can kind of however you put together the lineup, your fourth line is is a little bit more robust and can play a little bit. And right now it's like that fourth line can't play. Like they're they're just getting hemmed in every shift. They're getting scored on. Do you think that's where the Matthew Nyes talk has been coming from? Is that Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. But but you read like Scott Wheeler and Josh Cloak had a story about Matthew Nyes the other day and Mark Masters talked to him uh, a couple weeks back and it a, it doesn't sound like he really wants to come out. Like he's, I think Elliot Friedman reported that he's going to, and, and maybe it was Dregs and Pierre Lebrun, all those guys reported that he's going to talk to Kyle Dubas. But I mean, I it doesn't sound like he's ready to come out. And I think the other thing is like, you're we're just assuming like he's just going to come in and just be ready to play in the NHL. He's more physically ready, obviously, than than someone like Abrazizi. But it's a big jump. Like I think we underestimate. Well, Nice is nineteen years old too. He's right? also like, nineteen. Yeah, and he's so. he's been a late bloomer. So like it's only really been the last couple of years that he's really come along. I you know I talked to his parents. I talked to his dad. 
the day he was drafted. And, you know, the family, it's his mom's a doctor, his dad's an aerospace engineer. Like it's a very, very smart immigrant family that came, came from Slovakia. Um, and they really believe in the education side and they, you know, I'm sure that they're saying to him, like, let's make sure we make the right decision. You don't want to just end up, you know, in the American Hockey League for three years when you could have been developing in school and playing big minutes. And, you know, they really want to make the right decision. And my suspicion, just just knowing the family the little bit that that I've talked to them and and, know, and knowing the kid a little bit, I would suspect he does another year in college. I mean, he's in a great program there. He can He can be a superstar in the NCAA and then potentially make the jump right to the Leafs after two years down there. That makes sense for me. Um, I, and I, I, you could say that the Leafs kind of put a lot of pressure on those guys, you know, kind of making it known that they were welcome to have a spot, basically. But I get it. Like, they're trying to win a cup and they're looking at the bottom of their lineup and like, we don't have it. Like, we don't have enough here. Well, and, and I don't, f- for the player too, Jonas, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. You know, even the entry level contract, you're 19 years old, you're, you know, your entry level deal is almost a million dollars that, if yeah. you're playing in the NHL and you get a signing bonus and you know, it's, it, it's the Leafs and, and, and some kids are ready. Like some kids do step in at 19, 20 years old and, and can play. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Like there's no, that's not to suggest that he can't come in and be helpful and better than some of these guys. But I've been watching a lot of Boston and Tampa lately, just kind of gearing myself up for those matchups in the playoffs and they have fourth lines, James, that can play. Like Corey Perry is on Tampa's fourth line, I believe. He has like 17 goals. And like if they have a, it's a line that can play. It's like Maroon, it's Perry. And then you look at like Boston. I mean, Nick Foligno is not the player he once was, but like he's playing on the fourth line with Curtis Lazar and like those guys can play some minutes. Thomas Nosek is down there. Yeah. But then I, you know, I watch Colorado or Florida and like their fourth lines. Like I like Colorado's fourth line. And I think Colorado has done on their fourth line. What the Leafs have not done well is Colorado has relied on guys who can still skate. Like Andrew Cogliano is not the player he once was, but he can still skate. Darren Helm can still skate. And I think what you see with Spezza, with Simmons, with Clifford, they're just, they just can't keep up. That's a good point. I mean, the league has gotten so fast and it's gotten young and, and, and the, and the thing, this comes back to the Abruzzese and, and, and the Nyes conversation is the league is getting younger and, and there's more guys on entry level contracts playing in the league. And, you know, players are peaking, um, you know, 23 years old, 24 years old, like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. Um, you know, so it, it, it could well be that a 19 year old is going to be a better player than a Wayne Simmons at this point, which, which yep. wouldn't have been the case. 10, 15 years ago. The the league is really changing in that way. And the thing too is I think the kids are just coming in like better prepared than they have ever been before. Yeah. That's a, it's a good point. I mean, it's, it's just a question of how they're going to handle this. If, uh, if Nyes doesn't sign and even if he does and like where everybody slots in, but this, what we were getting at is like the rest of their lineup, you just wonder how they're going to get offense. And obviously Tavares and Neilander have been playing apart for a bit. And Tavares had looked better, I think, with with Kerfoot and Mikheyev. Mikheyev, I think, has really helped. I'd like to see them now kind of try out the t- the Tavares, Neilander, Mikheyev line to see if that can be something. Um, do you it's think just some nights. Yeah. Do you think you're getting James. enough from Neilander when he's not playing in the top no. six? No. Yeah. No. It, 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 
It feels it's, like he just gets lost. Like his minutes aren't as high as they as they were, and like they try to like slot him in for these shifts with Tavares, and you know they had him with uh, Martyr and Tavares at one point. It's just like it, it just doesn't feel like enough for what did, for him many, to me. How many minutes did Nylander play last night? I don't have it. In well, I'm looking at the five on five. So he played thirteen oh one five on five, which is basically the same as Tavares played. So like I so can't got, really. It says he got nineteen minutes overall. Yeah, they had a bunch of power plays. Right, and then you get the goalie pulled in the last couple. Of, I mean, 19 minutes is fine. Yeah. It's just if you look at his five-on-five ice time the last little bit, it's down from where it was before. Um, it, it And it it feels exactly the way you're saying. It just feels like he kind of gets lost. Like you watch a bunch of the game, and you're like, when's Nealander going to get out here? Um, I noticed him on the power play, but... Yeah. And, and late in the game when they had the goalie out, but yeah, I, I, I agree. And I guess that's that's just kind of if you're the Leafs, that's got to be your fear is like if, if the Matthews line doesn't score for a couple games in the playoffs, like who's going to get you the goals? Well, there's a point of game player in the NHL, right? So you don't want to lose that, you know, and I, I know he's been really good on the top power play unit, but at even strength, he's been a really dynamic player for a number of years too. Yeah. Just not, just not for the second half here. It's been better of late and same with Tavares, but um, anyway, it's a question. So we should talk about, uh, the Matthews record-setting night and where he's going from here. You and I have been like trading a lot of messages, obviously, about this. You're working. Can I say? Can you that you're working on a story about I'm this? Working on, I, yeah, it's not done yet. So hopefully, I get it done and then it'll be published tomorrow morning. If I, you know, we'll see. Um, but this is just like nuts. The run that he's been on. Obviously, he matches Lemieux with uh, 51 goals in 50 games. Well, he's got a seven-goal lead now, and for you know, remember there was remember early in the season, it's like, oh, is he too far behind to catch up in the uh, Rocket Richard race? You know, he's he was hurt, uh, he missed some games, he was had a slow start. It's like now he's now he's got a seven-goal lead, and he's got fifty-eight goals, and people are wondering if he can get to sixty-five. Well, James, since November twenty-fourth, which is kind of when he really took off, and when he kind of put the wrist stuff behind him. He has 51 goals in 51 games. The next guys on the list are Kreider and Kaprizov with 37. What are your Kreider? What are your Kreider has had? Holy cow. 50. Like that just, what's Kreider? 31 years old? Like that just comes out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere. I mean, he's always been a good player, but like, holy cow. Just all around the net shooting 20%, uh, actually during the stretch. Um, but I think what's what's so interesting with Matthews is just how he kind of keeps getting better as a scorer. Like you you think back to what he was as a rookie, and obviously, like as a rookie, he scored forty goals and was a runner up for the Rocket. He scored four in his first game. I think what's so interesting to me is just how many different ways now he can score. It's like you you watch every game, and it's like he has five, six, seven great chances like every night and some are on backhands and some are the one-timer and some it's like a wrist shot in the slot and then it's wraparounds. He can just beat you in so many different ways. Yeah, and he's had diversity in his his attack the last couple of years. I think that you really hit on, you kind of stole a little bit of the thunder of what I wanted to get into in my piece, but that's okay. You know, your story, on, your story on Monday where you talked about how frequently he's shooting the puck. I mean, that's that's... 
you know, in Matthew's career, he's always been kind of like a three and a half, four shots a game guy. This year, he's on another level. I mean, he's hitting the net almost five times a game. And those are Ovechkin-like numbers. You know, Ovechkin's been the only player, I'm pretty sure, the only player in the league that's been around five shots a game for most of the time he's been in the league. I was saying to this to you last night, I sent you the list of the all-time shots on goal leaders in the NHL. Ray Bork is number one with 6,200. Number two is... Alex Ovechkin with just over 6,000. Alex Ovechkin's going to pass Ray Borg for the most shots on goal in NHL history really, really soon. You know, however long it's going to take him to get, you know, another 150 shots. Probably, it's probably not going to take <laughs> take very long. I mean, early next season, basically, he'll become the all-time shots on goal leader in NHL history. And it's because I remember, and I remember right from day one when Ovechkin came into the league, it's like, this guy is just like, he, he he's like a... What do you call it? Like a tennis ball machine? Like one of those machines? Yeah. He's like that with a puck. Like it's just like bang, 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 bang. And the difference for Matthews is like, like I said, he's had a lot of shots. And I remember his first season writing about, I think he had an eight shot game in his first like 20 games. And I remember writing about it. But yeah. he's in, he's just really ramped that up this year. You know, and he's right up there close to five shots a game. And what that does is if you go from four shots a game to five shots a game, even if your shooting percentage stays the same, you're adding, you know, 0.2 goals a game if you're shooting close to 20% like Matthews is. It's it's a big difference. You know, it's a difference between scoring 0.6 goals a game and 0.8 goals a game. I mean, it, it, it really adds up over the course of a season. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. When you're shooting that much and you can shoot the puck like he does, it's like... Yeah. You add you add that many shots over a course of a year and you're going to score more. Like during that stretch I mentioned, the 51-game stretch, James, he's at 4.9 shots a game. Um, so which like is, right, right which there is at five. Which is incredibly hard to do. It's yeah, I think that's the part I wish I'd sold a little bit more in the story is like well, okay. how hard I'm it is. I'm to, right, I'm yeah, so you explain it, so. Why, why it's so hard because like the, I remember like I think you might have wrote about it at some point early. Maybe it was that story. Yeah, I um, talked to just, JVR and some other yeah. players that had been around the league and I said, how hard is it to get eight shots on goal in an NHL game? They're like, it's really fucking hard. Like, you know, like I think JVR is like, I think I've only done it twice in my career and let's see if I can find it. But it was really clear early on that Matthews just had something really special with his ability. Like, it's not just everyone talks about how, how he shoots the puck and how often he scores and all that, but it's not just that it's that he gets the opportunity to shoot from good locations again and again and again. Okay. So the, the story was December 21st, 2016, which is like, that's like three weeks after I joined the athletic and three weeks after, or a, a couple months after we launched in Toronto, the story was uh, how Austin Matthews is shooting the puck at a historic pace. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I remember I went up to James Van Riemsdyk in the dressing room and I said, how hard is it to get eight shots on goal? And he says, very hard. I don't know how many games I've had that like that in my whole career, maybe a handful. I didn't realize he had that many. That's pretty impressive. And then I looked it up and, and, and Van Riemsdyk had only done it a few times in his whole career. And at that point, he was a veteran player. So, um, but the thing that, that people said is that he's, Matthews is so good at getting the puck and he's so good at getting open, which there are a lot of players that are really good at scoring goals, but they don't have the, like Matthews leads the NHL in takeaways, the yeah. whole league out, among forwards for sure. There might be some defensemen that are up there. And he has a substantial lead. And you know who is second in takeaways among forwards in the NHL? I would guess it's Marner. It's Marner. So you have one yeah. line where, and I think this is probably a story we have to do at some point, but you have one line where they're just stripping the puck off the other team again and again and again. And there there are flaws with 
with those takeaway stats. But when you watch that line play some games, it's like, boy, like they're just a handful for the other teams to deal with. Oh my God. The amount of times like he just takes it, Matthews, like, like it's nothing. Like he's playing like against JV kids. You know what I mean? Like it, he makes it look so easy. Uh, and to your point, James, he has uh, 12 sh- games this season already with eight shots or more. So JVR said, it's like all the dirty pucks he's able to get. He's good at sticking his stick out with one hand and he pulls the puck out of these scrums. Uh, his edges and his balance is unbelievable. So he's he's able to be in different positions and be really strong and find his way out of it. I rarely ever notice him fall down when he gets hit. He kind of just uses the momentum and spins around and gets his way up. He, you know, some people, I, I remember Mark Crawford compared Matthews to Datsuk when he had him in Switzerland. And, and mm. that was before he had been drafted when I was talking to Mark Crawford. And I was like, holy cow, Datsuk, really? But you just with the way that he, he kind of uses the stick as almost like a like a rake or a pool cue or something. Like he uses it in unique ways to to corral the puck. And so it's not just shooting. It's it's like finding ways to track the puck down and and I don't know. I, I don't like I anyone that's been on the ice with a puck and a stick, like it's so difficult to control the puck. I just don't I don't know how Matthews does it. Like it's almost like the puck sticks to him. M- Matthews in the story says it's like it's magnetized. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and you know, the other thing is, um, in talking to some of his former teammates like you, um, about him is just like a, he, like you said, he kind of gets himself into little spots where he can shoot. And then something you've pointed out in the past before, he can kind of shoot from like any angle and like off both legs. And like, he just has all these unusual motions. Like I talked to Zach Hyman and he was like, like some of the ways that he can shoot, it's so uncomfortable to do as a player. And like him and Connor Brownbow said they would try it in practice and like they couldn't do it. And he just does it all the time. Like you see some of the pictures, like I think you pointed out in some of the pictures, just how weird he looks when he's shooting it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it, it's hard to stand on the ice on skates and execute a, a shooting motion like for anyone. Like it's just like a, it's an unnatural thing to do. You know, it's, it's even different. Like, you know, how much golf have you played, Jonas? Like, it's, I remember when I was a kid, I took golf lessons and like, like the, the golf can be an unnatural thing to do. Like the technique that's involved and like where your hands have to be and how the swing and like, I was never that good at it. Like, I'm just like a big tall guy and like, I didn't have the prettiest swing and I gave golf up when I was in high school, but um, it's the same kind of thing. Like there's a technique involved with the hockey shot. And then you factor in the fact that you're on skates. And I think the foundation for everything that Matthews does, everything we're talking about, the stick handling, the winning puck battles and taking hits and the shot, and it's all his in his skating and his feet. Like for such a big, strong guy, his, his, his uh, technical ability to skate and his balance on his skates is, is really second to none. It, and that's really the foundation that he has that allows him to – stand in different positions and shoot in different ways and all of the things that he does on the ice. What's, uh, what's before we take a break, what's your prediction for what he ends up with? He is at 58 58. goals in 68 games. So we, the Leafs have nine games left. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say that he does get to 65. I say he does it. So that'd be seven goals in the last nine games. All right. I'll, I'll go 66. I'll, I'll prices right. You Mario. It'd be, kind of, it'd be cool if he can pass Ovechkin's career high. Like that, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, 
I was asking you, and maybe you'll get into this in the story. Like, do you think this is like, he's 24, he'll be 25 in the fall. Is this like the peak, do you think? Or do you think like he can even be higher? Well, I think he can be higher than this because of he came into the year injured and had the slow start yeah. and, and he's missed five games. I mean, so like just with that factor put into the mix, I think that there's a little bit more in his range there. And the other thing, and, and again, like this is part of what I'm working on is, I mean, scoring is up in the NHL and that's one of the factors that is hard going to be difficult for us to predict. If scoring continues to increase in the NHL, then we might see more players doing, you know, scoring 50 goals and, and getting 100 points. I Goudreau was watching the game last night, got 100 points. Like it's it's becoming a little bit more common and it's great to see. It's good for the it's good for the league. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of what's gone on in the NBA with three-point shooting. And I, I always have thought of Matthews as kind of like Steph Curry, just in terms of like Curry just can get his, his shot off from like anywhere and he gets it off really quick. And it's like, oh my God, how did he get that off? And like, anyway... Uh, let's take a break. We'll talk some Jack Campbell. We'll talk about the defense and then we'll get into the pod bag. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James, uh, Jack Campbell, he did not play on Tuesday. He did not play on Saturday. Uh, Sheldon Keefe said after practice on Monday that he's not 100%. It's not related to the rib injury. Um, but given where they're at in the schedule, they decided not to play him. That raised like a, a little bit of a red flag with me. Yeah, it's like, okay, good. It's not the rib injury, but wait a minute. What is it? <laughs> what exactly? <laughs> you know, what is something it? Something else. It, well, and obviously, like, I was a little bit curious to see what they did last week uh, in that Dallas game because he had come off the injury. He had played three games in four nights. He had to relieve Eric Schalgren in Florida. And I just wonder, like, do, do you want to, like, risk, like, Jim Ralph on, on the radio broadcast, like, called it, like, a fatigue injury. And I thought that was a good way of putting it. Um do you want to risk like some sort of fatigue injury, like a groin or something just because he's come back and suddenly he's playing too much? It worries me a little bit that, that this is happening. Now, Keith has said he's going to, Campbell's going to start on Thursday in the Washington game. He said that was the plan, but that was the plan. He didn't so, say okay, that's going to happen for sure. Okay. So what's your level of concern on a scale of one to 10 with Jack Campbell? Well, I mean, we've got nine games left, so, you know, it's enough. <sighs> It's a good question, Jonas. I haven't really like thought about it that much. Well, I can I can answer just because I I had thought about it. Like I wrote about it for Monday. Just that there's this really tricky balance that they have to strike right now. In that they need him like feeling good and being sharp and like getting back to where he was. Well, the in trouble November. is, Jonas. How far can they go with Shalgren as their goalie in the playoffs? They can't. I mean, I mean like, you maybe could, you, you can win, maybe you game. could maybe you could win one round. Like maybe if you just score a bunch of goals, but they're going to be playing such good teams and. Yeah. No no offense to Shogren, who I think has outperformed any expectations and is for a rookie who, you know, his first games in the league has been put in some tough situations and has has played relatively well. But, you know, he looks like a young backup goaltender is what he looks like. And it's just going to be really hard to beat these good teams with him in the net. 
Yeah. And so, and so their, their challenge is like, how do we make sure for game one of the playoffs that he's, he's playing well, feeling good and he's healthy. And so like, how do you, how do you strike that balance between how much he should play, how much he should sit, how much he should practice? I just think it's really interesting how they choose to handle it. Now, now what they've done for a while now, uh, really for months is they they almost always have three or four goalies at practice. And so those guys, whether it was Mrazek, whether it's Campbell, they're not in the net the whole time. And I think that's smart because like I remember writing about Campbell at one point and just his workload. Like he's way over like the amount of games he's ever played before in the NHL. He's gonna like almost double potentially his career high for starts. And I remember talking to Noodles, Jamie McLennan, and him telling me like goalies could take like 300, 400 shots at practice. So mm-hmm. if you can cut some of that out, that helps. Um, it's but the all fact wear and that tear on the body. It's on just the hips wear and, and tear, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's just a little bit con- concerning because of his history and because of what you're talking about with Shalgren. Like it's well, this I, was, I, this was a trade deadline. It, it's, they were put into a position where it's all on Jack Campbell, basically. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know what else they would have could have done at the trade deadline. I guess like yeah, the flurry, the flurry thing seemed like completely outrageous what they wanted. And I mean, I was watching uh, the Oilers and, and the Avalanche on Saturday after after the Leafs yeah, game. I just watched that game yesterday. Yeah, you know, you Fun watched game. you watched an old the old game. <laughs> I like watching them yeah. live or not at all. So, but yeah, so I, I I watched a lot of that game. I had I've got McDavid in my in my pool. We're we're in the playoffs in my hockey pool. It's coming down to the wire. I've been watching a lot. And it was just, it was a good game. It was, and Kemper was so good in that game. He was just unbelievably good. And it made me think like, man, like maybe the Leafs should have given up a first round pick for this guy. Like if this is, he's had good numbers for a lot of years. I know that he's never really done in the playoffs. I know that he's had injury problems, but his numbers are really good. And you watch him and it's like, boy, this is like, this is what the Leafs need. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they didn't have the package really to match Colorado, right? I think you would have had to give up to. a lot. They, you would have had to give up a lot. But I mean, it just it looks really good on Colorado right now. That if if Kemper can keep playing like that in the playoffs, they got a real shot to win it. Yeah, and that's the tough thing. Like I understand why they didn't do what they did at the trade deadline, and really, you had, well, they, you, I think Harry Sateri, right? Yeah, he would have saved the day. Um. But that it goes back again, like we've talked about, to last off season and and everything like that, and the decision they made, and Peter Morazic. I guess, like, I mean, Peter Morazic could be back for like the second round potentially. So, boy, like, I mean, it's what, just like, do you want to trust him after like two months I, off? You know what I would say? You asked me what my thoughts are on Campbell. I think that the chances are increasing that Shawgren is going to play playoff games and potentially start playoff games. That's what's happening oh right God. now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, the Leafs yeah. might have to use two goalies in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing like that I'm not even factoring into this is you're playing every other night. Is like, is yeah. he going to be able to stay healthy through that? Well, so this is a conversation that's I know in Edmonton they're having a conversation that they're potentially going to have to use two goalies in the playoffs. Boston doesn't know who their starter is going yeah, into the playoffs. Yeah, but those situations are a little bit different. They're, they have two goalies like – I don't really trust either of those goalies in Edmonton, but they've been playing better of late. They're, they're not really giving up that much. Like watching that Colorado game, they well, didn't I really think Shogren has better all. numbers than both of them, though, Jonas. I mean, I know he's not tested and whatever, Shogren, but through ten games, has an eight ninety nine save percentage. Okay, well, he's come down in, since the last game, but but like what? I mean, Mike Smith and Koskinen's save percentage was below that for a lot of the season. So, you know, Edmonton's going into a situation where they have two veteran guys who 
have not had great years that they have to decide. But, you know, basically my point though, Jonas, is not that the the goalie situations are comparable. It's just that there are other situations where teams are going to be using two goalies in the playoffs and it's happened in the past, but you know, in in the, I just think in the Leafs case, we'll see, we'll see where things are at, but you know, I would be less and less surprised the longer we go along here. If Shogren, I'm not saying he's going to play every game. I'm just saying it's possible that he gets into some games in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess, James, like you could even throw like Florida into that mix. Like Bobrovsky's kind of come down from where yeah, he was. But Knight hasn't but been very not, good. So. Yeah, so anyway, uh, interesting and something like that they're going to have to figure out. Um, if he like if he has anything, honestly, he shouldn't play Thursday and he, they should just like make sure. Well, this I is think that's gone. what they're going to do. I, I yeah. you know, the, the way that Keith said it made me think that they'd like him to play. But if he's not ready, he's not playing. But it, 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 there's back-to-back games on the weekend, right? So that's part of why they'd like him to play Thursday so that he can split the load on the weekend. Because if you don't do that, then all of a sudden Shogren's playing an awful lot. Yeah, but you might just have to do it. Because like if he, you do, if, if he, if this is like a groin injury or whatever it is, something nagging, like you got to like knock that thing out as, as quickly as you can. Yeah, so Mike Smith's up to 9.03 and that's after playing. I mean, he was really good against... In, in some of the recent games. And Koskinen's at a 902. I mean, their numbers are, are similar to Shalgren, to be honest. I mean, can the, can the Leafs win around with 900 goaltending? I mean, it's not impossible with the way they score. But the problem is, I think if you go in against a team like Boston or something that's really good defensively, it's 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 going to be awfully tough because it's going to come down to, to one key goal in a playoff series. Yeah, I guess you just need him to win you or not lose you games, kind of, right? I mean, yeah. The Leafs are with like it. Just, yeah. They'd have to win a lot of four or three games in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm not sure if that if he can do that. We'll, well see. I, I think goaltending is by far the biggest question mark for the Leafs going into the postseason. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Especially now, like it was a question before this little hiccup uh, with Campbell, and now it's like, oh my god. Um, let's talk briefly about the defense, and then we'll get into the pod bag. Um, I, I really like what they're doing. Uh, it's something you've kind of hammered at in the past that they should be trying different things um, just in case. And they've tried almost everything. Like the only well, thing that they haven't tried yet is Giordano Brody. Uh, what do you make of their experimentation? Part of it, Jonas, is that they get Giordano, they get they get Labushkin midseason, Muzzin's out yeah. and then he comes back and... Part of it is that they just have seven NHL defensemen right now. They've got some new guys that they need to get looks at. They need to see who who they like Giordano with. Um, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. I mean, it feels like it's been like different pairings like almost every night lately. And you watch some of them play together. And, and like you watch, you know, Riley Labushkin, Riley Lilgren. And it's like, oh, that looks interesting. That looks interesting. Like, look at some of the plays they make. Like, I think... Is it going too far to say that that might have been Lilgren's best game in the NHL against Buffalo? Like, he was one of the only players that seemed like he had it in that game. I mean, if, if he didn't score, I'm not sure we'd be saying that. I'm not sure. I don't know. He had, he's he had been some good. nice like, credit, credit some to nice him, plays, man. though. Like, nice, credit to like, him. Yeah, for sure. Nice transition plays, moving the puck up the ice. and you Well, know, and, it, and the it, interesting thing, James, like to bring it back to Giordano, what you were saying... The guy he's, who's looked best with Giordano is Lilligren. Like the, I don't think yeah. the Giordano Hall combo has looked good. Uh, Giordano with Labushkin la- on Tuesday night did not look good. Um, that creates like some interesting questions about who 
could sit. I still think at some point, like you need to see what the rest of the lineup would look like if you put Giordano with Brody. I think in that case, you'd probably have Labushkin with Riley and you'd have Muzzin with Hall. That well, would the be, thing I like about Giordano and Brody is I feel like that's like your shutdown pair that you play against other teams' top lines and, and you feel pretty good about it. I mean, I've seen enough of Giordano now to know that while he's not as fast as he used to be, he's still really effective defensively. I guess then the question is like Labushkin or Lilligren, which yeah. is an interesting question. Well, I mean, I think Lubushkin's interesting because he's he's almost like a specialist, right? Like he's he's like good at like a very specific thing, but you can't play him in too many minutes and he has deficiencies in other areas. But the thing that the one specific thing he's good at, the Leafs don't have a lot of players that are good at. So it's kind of he can be he's like useful, but and the other thing that's like the there are a lot of people in the fan base like social media is just like calling out for Justin Hall to be sad instead of Will Grant or instead of Lubushkin. But the funny thing is, is that Hall isn't always passing the eye test. But then you go, you look at the, hit, the numbers for him, and they're they're pretty good. So what is that about? Because like I'm, I've kind of been on the the belief that for the second half he's been totally fine, and and you can see that he's very trusted by the coaching staff. He kills like he's on their number one penalty kill. Like, what do you think that's about? Is it just how he looks sometimes? Just like some of the decision making, I think drives some of the fan base crazy, and and they really like Lubushkin. They like the physicality that that okay. really stands out. Like he looks good, and you know, in, in certain instances, and like clearing the front of the net, and like I said, he brings things that that people don't. And then Lilgren just has those highlight reel plays. Like there was the one pass that he made that you know, like the, the three line pass, if you want to call it that, like all the way down the ice. Uh, and the goal, I thought Logren, like the play Logren made on the goal, the thing I'm seeing with Logren is that his reading of the play is on another level than we've seen from him in the past. Like he's just becoming so much more comfortable in the NHL and maybe that's playing with Giordano or maybe that's just playing more games. I, I just think though, James, like sometimes like these guys become flashpoints and so you look at their mistakes, but I can, like I have in my notes a ton of similar plays from Lilligren where it's like, well, what decision is he making there? And that doesn't seem to become a flashpoint just because he's not viewed in the same light. Well, the thing that Hall doesn't get credit for is that he's playing in the top four. He's playing over 20 minutes a game. A lot of the time he's playing on the penalty kill. He's, he's the coach yeah. trusts him to play against good players. He's playing tougher minutes than Labushkin and Lilligren. He just is. Yes. Whether or not and, you think and, he should be or not. And statistically I mean, I, doing well in them. Well, statistically, I, like you can't argue. Yeah, they, they expected goals numbers. The last I looked for Hall since January 1st were amazing. Like it was like 50, over 58%. I mean, he was one of the top defensemen on the team. So, and it's interesting, you know, because I think a lot of the fans that listen to the show, you know, look at, at that kind of thing. And I think a lot of the, the smart Leafs fans that on social media look at the data, but it seems like with Hall, they're they're not buying in on on the analytics. They're it's almost like the eye test wins more. And now, now to be fair, I mean, Lilgren's numbers are good too, but Hall's numbers are good in more difficult minutes. Yes, which is always the thing to remember with those numbers. Like you have to put them into context, or they're kind of useless. It's hard. It's hard to to separate out. You know, especially with defensemen, I find like who they're playing with and who they're playing against. And we need better. We need better data on that. Like there's still. There are a couple yes. sites that have things, but it's there needs to be way more of that. Way, there needs to be way more work done. You know, I, I really like 
a lot of the models that are out there now, and I know you and I subscribe to some of the websites that are out, you know, evolving hockey is one of the ones that I subscribe to and I like looking at. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that, it, you know, and it, I, they probably have done some work on this. And I haven't looked closely enough at it, but they're just, I think there needs to be more done on like the quality competition piece of it, especially when it comes to defensemen. Yeah, because like you'll see people put out like an expected goal stat and it's like Lilgren's like the best defenseman in the NHL. It's like, well, no, like you, you have to factor in how he's or how he's used, who he's well, playing against, who he's playing Dom, with. Like Dom's chart, I think, I, here, I can, if you give me a second, I can bring it up, but it was, it says something like Lilgren's worth like, a, he's like an $11 million player or something like that. Yeah, I'm going to say given, that that's not right. Oh, his chart isn't on the. Some, oh, it was it like is. I think it was like seven or eight million. Yeah, hold on, I got it. Just one and second. I don't. That's that's seven point well, seven million. And offensively, yeah, he's like he's like a superstar, basically offensively. Like his numbers are just like completely way off the charts. Which and I think he has been really good offensively. Like I wouldn't take that away from him. The question is, is who who is? Do you want to play Logan in the top four? Because if you do, he's going to be playing against other teams' top lines. And is he ready for that at this stage? My answer is no. What's your answer? My answer is I'm not sure. I mean, I, we haven't really seen him do it all that much. But well, uh, we have, and it hasn't gone super great. the The other thing is that Keith doesn't doesn't believe in it. I mean, that's Keith trusts Hall more in those minutes than he does Labushkin or Logren. Yeah, as I would too. The problem with playing Giordano with Logren, I think, is that Keith doesn't want to play that pairing against a tough competition. And I feel like I would want to play Giordano against tough competition. And that's why I think when the playoffs come, we're probably looking at Giordano with probably with Brody, right? I mean, that makes the most sense. Yeah. And then like you can use Muzzin Hall against like second lines, sometimes first line. Like I still think that they can be okay in that kind of role. If it's like scaled down, it's kind of funny. The, the, the player that it's hard to find a partner for is Riley. Well, he's, he's almost gotten into the he's not the as good obviously but it's almost like with uh with headman how you kind of just stick the other stick some guy with him and just kind of hope that you know that he's good enough to make up for it you know what i mean it's not the well, same I, but like Jan Ruda gonna, plays like yeah. yeah well it's almost like like headman's partner only plays like 16 minutes a game right like he's not he's like on the yeah. quote-unquote top pair but th- th- it seems like that's become more in vogue in the nhl where you you kind of just mix in like with a really good defenseman, you can give them a quote unquote lesser partner. That's yeah, part of I like think. what's happening with the Norris trophy debate this year, right? Is like, like, like Makar has played a lot with, with Devin Taves. And, you know, some people He's, think that some people think well, that that's boosted Makar's numbers defensively. Whereas Roman Yossi, um, I think is, has he played with Fabro? I think. Fabro, yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah, the, but the lately, same caliber playing with Jack Johnson. So, but I think, like on the balance for the year, like the he's had a, like a stronger partner than than a Yossi or uh, you know Adam Fox or some of these other players. Yeah, I was thinking about how I would vote for the Norris. Right now, I think I'd go Yossi one, Hedman two, McCarr three. But I got to look at it closer. I mean, Yossi's had an unbelievable season. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a break and let's get to the pod bag. Okay, James. A reminder, as always, to. Eat at your local restaurants. I had a delicious pizza from Baldiali's last week. Unbelievable. My kids, meanwhile, ordered from the same place they always do. Got the same pizza with no toppings on it that they always get. And and they loved it last week. So. Like just cheese, right? Yep. Cheese pizza. Just cheese. 
I'm not a not a cheese pizza fan. Although I did hear from someone when I some 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 uh, listeners when I mentioned on the podcast that I wasn't a fan of cheese pizza and they they vouched for it as being a an okay option. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that that's a problem. Like they think it's kind of weird. Even in my house, like I kind of get some pushback when I just want cheese. But mm-hmm. I I don't like it at all. It feels like taking a piece of bread and melting cheese on it and eating that. Like, that? To, like the, the meat, the meat for me is like, it's, it's gotta be there. Is pepperoni number one or something else? Yeah. Pepperoni is number one, but I, there's like this spicy sausage I love to get on my pizza. Mm. Like these little sausage balls. So good. Interesting. And I, and I like weird veggies too. I like like black olives and like really strong tasting. Uh, yeah. Where are you on pineapple? No, no chance. No. Love you, it. You'd have to pay Love me. Love it. Eat, you'd have to pay me to wow. eat pineapple on a pizza. Yeah. I like mm. pineapple in general, but I don't want it on my pizza. Interesting. <laughs> no, I'm, honestly, I'm interested in this stuff. I love I love pineapple on pizza. What do you have? Well, for I us? mean, I like you know. I, <laughs> most people don't like black olives on pizza, so or like we get sometimes we get like artichokes on pizza. We did we wow we, we do some weird stuff. That's a bit weird. I've had I've had a broccoli on pizza, broccoli and, That's and gross. cheddar cheese and and chicken. I would eat that over a pineapple any day brutal (laughs) (laughs) all right let's see here what we got uh so apollo if you've asked a question that we've answered in the last most recent podcast i'm gonna i'm gonna skip it because we get a lot of repeats uh you know people want one muzzin traded that kind of stuff uh jason t says can you come up with a good pun to describe our last game against buffalo the one i always use when they play bad against buffalo which is very frequently i always say barfalo but then sometimes people in Buffalo get upset and it's like people, Sabres fans were getting mad at me for, for tweeting Barfalo last night. And I was like, no, no, I'm talking about the Leafs. I'm not, I'm not talking about the Sabres. I think the Sabres look pretty good. I, I like some of their young players a lot. Darlene looks like he's really turning into the player that they thought he was going to be when they picked him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's like only like, is he 21 yet? He's so uh, young. I think he's, I want to say he's 22. He's 22, and he'll be 23 in... Actually, wait a second. Is today the 13th? He just turned 22. Well, happy birthday, Rasmus Dallin. I have him in my pool, and he's been fantastic. He's been... He was the last pick I I made, and everyone's making fun of me or waiting to the very end to pick defensemen, and he's been fantastic, so... Well, and you mentioned it, James, uh, I forget where, maybe on Twitter, actually, uh, what the Atlantic's going to look like. Now, I still think Buffalo is like probably a few years away from yeah, being it's probably like three interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the other one is Detroit. Like you look at Cider and like Raymond and like some of the young guys that they have, it's like, they're going to be interesting. And you look at their GM and it's like, they're going to put this shit together at some point too. The, you know, our, our Max Boltman, our Red Wings writer has done some really good stuff on, on the prospect pool that they're putting together. And the other thing too is you have a great GM who's drafting really well. He's got... Yeah. Basically, the, their cap situation might be the best in the league in that they have acres of empty space. Once their kids are ready in another year or two, they can start to be major players in free agency and go after big names. So I think, I mean, maybe by then Boston falls off in the Atlantic. Maybe Tampa has a hard time, uh, you know, still being a contender two or three years from now. I, I don't know where the where Florida will be at. You know, maybe there will be a changing of a guard. Who knows? I mean, you know, Toronto potentially could be not a contender anymore in three or four years. So, 
there's a long way to go for for Detroit and Buffalo. They need to make smart decisions the rest of the way. But it finally feels like the, like the Sabers are kind of doing smarter things than they have in a long time. Yeah, we'll see. I don't trust them as much as I trust Iserman by a lot. They've been bad for a long time. Yeah, well, and they've had they've had like a lot of turnover in terms of leadership, and you know th- that's the thing with Detroit is I mean they've got someone in charge there who's done it before, and anyway. Uh, Mitchell says, is Justin Hall really one of the team's six best defensemen at this point? It feels like Boosh and Lilgren offer more. Can the team ignore how well Lilgren has been playing when Hall is trusted but struggling? So that kind of captures the sentiment. I mean, we did talk about this. That That's kind of, I would say, in, in the zeitgeist, in, in the way that Leafs Nation feels about the defense, I would say that that's a very common opinion. Yeah, I don't. I think it's what you said. Like, there just must it, it must be residue too from the first half, and how bad. Well, he was th- that pair him sucked. And looked that pair sucked in the first twenty games or thirty games of the season for sure. No, yeah, question. and it just always seems like there is a defenseman that kind of becomes that. Uh, I just don't think it's a pro. Like, it's totally fair in this case. Like, I got it with like CC and. I think well, ideal well, world hall is probably on your third pair, right? Yeah, and maybe like in this in the configuration that we talked about, it's Riley Labushkin, uh, Giordano, Brody, and then and he Muzzin is on your hall. third pair, and yeah. he's your sixth defenseman. I haven't dug in on 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 Hall lately. Um, you know, like how his penalty kill results and things. I mean, but the penalty kill pill's been really good this season, and he's been a big part of it. So, yeah. I feel like I would still want him in the lineup. And I realize, I mean, it's it's tough because, you know, the fans really like Lubushkin and they really like Logren and as well they should. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, Lubushkin comes back next year and, and what the configuration on the blue line looks like next season. Well, and the guy we haven't even mentioned is Sandine. And it, it kind of feels like he's not going to be ready for the playoffs. And even if he is, he's probably Yeah, it's hard to come back. Out. Yeah, yeah. Which is too bad because he had a he had a really promising first half of the year. Yeah. Uh, Curtis wants to know, here's the question. I feel like we've been answering this question for three or four years on the podcast. I'll, I'll throw it to you here first. Who do you think the Leafs match up better against Tampa or Boston? I think the answer is Tampa. I know I said I was going to throw it to you, but you sounded like you were going to struggle with it. (laughs) You said Tampa? Yeah. Other than goaltending, I think that they, that they match up better against Tampa. Yeah, there's something for me that's just like I can't get past how much hockey they've played in the last like couple years. Well, I mean, they look tired lately. I mean, the games I've seen from them the last three weeks, they they don't look like themselves. There's something about that that I just can't shake that makes me think like it wouldn't be all that surprising regardless of, of who they play if they're just out in the first round. And when we hear from them after the season, they're just like, we're just, we're kind of burnt out. Yeah. And I think if the Leafs really bring their A game and play the way that they can, that, you know, the, the Lightning aren't going to be able to just be okay and and, be, and knock off a team like Toronto. Toronto plays well. Yes. Well, and, have, the, and you know the other thing, James, with really, Boston? Really good. Is Boston's not just like a one-line team anymore. Like, they, they have Pasternak playing with Hall, or they have for the most part. And it's like suddenly they've got two lines who are kind of like a little bit scary. Like obviously Pasternak's scary. Well, and the other thing too, Shannon, yeah. McAvoy has been outstanding. Like McAvoy, he's awesome. I think he's a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Easy. Yeah. And he's playing huge minutes. Um, 
their goaltending is interesting. Allmark's played a lot better the last month than he did earlier in the year. Now they got two goalies that their numbers are pretty solid. And I think that Boston is one of the best coach teams in the league. Cassidy is every time they play them, I'm always impressed with him. Yeah. They're just smart. They're prepared. And Bergeron and Marchand are, and Pasternak, they're all, they're, they're old, but they're still the players that, you know, they're still having fantastic seasons. So can I ask you about that? I, I was thinking about like uh Selkie trophy voting and like what I'm going to do and everything like that. And now I'll just look at it now. Cause I haven't actually looked at it. Yeah, okay, so so I was thinking, like, why is it Marchand should be in the conversation too? And now I'm just looking. He was ninth last year, ninth year before that. So like, he is always kind of in the mix. Like, it kind of feels like he gets in Bergeron's shadow. Yeah, well, I mean, they play together so much. So how do you separate the results? But like, the results that they get on when Marchand's on the ice are fantastic. But I think the Bergeron's the center, right? So that adds like another Bergeron should win the Selkie. I don't know what the how the voters are going to vote, but. Statistically, Bergeron's numbers are like like he's way he, he's having the best year of his career defensively. Yeah, the other guy I was looking at uh, who looks like obviously pretty good statistically and with the eye is Barkov. Yeah, well, I mean I, th- that game was so fun to watch where it was the you know that seven six game against the Barkov's another guy I've had in my fantasy pool all year and he's just been he's been money he's and I've watched a lot more of the Panthers than I have in previous years and you really get an appreciation for what he can do. Who's more valuable, him or Huberto? Are you eating something while we're on the podcast here? Yeah, I just need a lozenge. It sounds like you're eating now on the show. Yeah. That must mean we're getting close to the end. <laughs> this is your segment. You're in charge. All right. Uh, Zachary wants to know, what's your sense of the level of concern among the staff regarding Jack Campbell? He says Jack Campbell's lingering injury, but this is actually, it sounds like it's something different. It's been harder to get a read on how the staff feels about things when we're not in behind the scenes as much as we normally are. Uh, Sheldon Keefe has put a pretty good poker face on the Jack Campbell situation so far. But how could they not be concerned? Like how how could they not? There's no way. Like yeah, their season could be on the line here. With- yeah, like their they're number two is a guy who's played 10 games in the league. Their number three has kind of flamed out anytime he's played in the NHL. Their number four, who is even their number four at this point? Carter Hutton? Eh? Who's like been injured and is like kind of old. Like they're, I don't know. Like that's, that's, that's gotta be concerning. I think it's gotta be Campbell or Shalgren, really. Like I don't, there's no, it doesn't really matter no, who's three, has to four be, or five. Like, yeah, it has to be Campbell. Like if you're, yeah, you're but trying, if Campbell's they're trying to hurt, win a like, cup, man. Like I this know, is not. Man, goaltending, what a what a crazy position. Well, Shogren won a cup last year. What's the SHL trophy called? Do you know? I don't. I don't recall. Off Very equivalent to the NHL. Totally the same. Judson wants to know, why doesn't Sheldon Keefe listen to my lineup suggestions when I put them in the comment sections of your articles? I don't know if Sheldon is in the comment section. Think he's leaving notes? <laughs> this is terrible. The coach is doing the... The best he can. I think the Leafs, I think they do a pretty good job of not paying too much attention to a lot of the media narratives around the team. Agreed. I think they've learned over time to pay less and less attention to what we think, <laughs> which is probably a good idea. Uh, Ryan B., here's a good question for you, Jonas. Does it seem like switching Brody from left to right is affecting him? He's not looked good the last few games. 
Yeah, but like the, the counter is like he looked really good in the stretch before when he was on the left. So he's saying, he's saying does it does he look does he look worse because they moved him back to the right? Oh, when I since guess it's possible back. like to, to have to well, bounce it, back. Some of the some of the commentary I believe on the broadcast has said maybe that's an adjustment, but he's played so much of his career on the right side. And the thing too is when we did that big profile on Brody. Uh, I, I talked to his coach in the AHL, Troy Ward, and he said that Brody is so much better on the right side. Like they had all this data on it and everything. And that's when they, he first moved to the right side was when he was in the American Hockey League. And it's because they discovered that he's so much better there despite being a left shot. So that's why I don't put a whole bunch of stock in that. Yeah. And you know what's funny, James? Like we're talking about like Brody and Giordano. The pair like I like best is, is Brody Riley. And like I don't know – what the pairs would look like if you put those two guys back together. Like well, it's almost that's like why that. you need Giordano Hall to be something potentially. Yes. Yes. Or maybe you do Gio, Giordano Lilgren again and, and, and I don't know. Then, yeah. That's, but then like it's, it's goes back to what you said. Like, are you going to use that, that group against top lines or I guess you could use Muzzin Hall de- against top lines. It's going to depend what Muzzin looks like here the next few games, whether you feel like he's strictly third pair or if he can do more than that. Well, and we didn't mention that, but that's another concern. Like all of a sudden he's played, I think three or four games uh, after his concussion. And now he's got a little something that's cropped up, not concussion related. That's, that's a little worrisome now too. It's like, but at least, at least they have Giordano to insulate them a bit. Uh, Matia asks, did the Department of Player Safety give Malkin four games because he deserved it or because they were trying to help the Bruins? Uh, I thought that was a, that was a, that was a dirty, dirty play. I think, I think that four games was the, if Matthews is getting two for what he did, I think Malkin deserved four. Mm, felt a little excessive to me. Well, he like destroyed the guy's face. I don't think Borowicki's been able to play since then. They got to fix that. They got to fix what? The Department of Player Safety metric. Yeah. Is that the word? Or is it matrix? I think if you cross-check a guy in the mouth and knock out a whole bunch of his teeth for no reason, then uh, I don't know. That's got to be a suspension. Yeah. A couple games and he got a penalty, didn't he? Well, and and Malkin like kind of like swung his stick at him before that too and missed. Someone someone was saying he was like a samurai. It was like a sword swing almost. But isn't that why you have penalties? (laughs) Yeah, I know. He got four minutes. Yeah, but he, well, he certainly deserved it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, we got to close it out here. Um, Liz wants to know: uh, Are you concerned if the Leafs cool down here before the playoff start, or does it not matter uh, because there there will be a little bit of a break between the end of the season and the beginning of the playoffs? Um, I don't think there's probably not going to be that much of a break because the you know the the league wants to get the playoffs over with in June. Um. I don't know. Do you think it, I think it matters. You know, we've seen in the past where the Leafs have kind of coasted into the playoffs and, and they've, they've struggled getting out of the gate in the first couple of games. I think you want to be playing well going into the playoffs. I mean, obviously I think you want to be playing well, but I don't know that it matters. I think we think it matters, but I don't know that it, it always matters. I mean, we just I think see, for this team and Jonas, they've, they've got to like, they got to shake their demons out. Yeah, but we've just seen them kind of like flip a switch a little bit. And I mean, even in those series that they've lost. Well, I say it matters and Jonas says it, it doesn't. Case closed. Although they lost game one against Columbus and Montreal, so. Yeah, they, I, yeah, they've kind of, and even those, some of those Boston series, I felt like they like kind of slept walk going into the playoffs and it, and it hurt them a little bit. You win. Yay. 
That's a good note to end on then if I won. One more. You want one more? Okay. Then we got to chat. Boy, there's a lot of stuff that we've... All right, I'm going to ask you this one because I don't know the answer to this. Uh, With baseball starting, if you had to swap one leaf for one Blue Jay, what leaf would be the best baseball player and what Blue Jay would you add to the Leafs? And can he play goal? Can he play goal? Austin Matthews Matthews, is a a very good baseball player. Yeah. His dad played college baseball and Matthews played high-level baseball as a kid. Who would be a good hockey player from the Jays is what I'm trying to think of. Like maybe George Springer, maybe Matt Chapman. Maybe. I want to see. I want to see Vladdy out there. See what he could do. He, you just park him in front of the net. <laughs> what about a big defenseman and just like destroy people? Yeah, our punch our producer says Danny Jansen. That's a good choice. He, yeah, he actually probably is a good choice. Uh, all right. Uh, if you want to listen to more Myrtle, which why wouldn't you? Go check out the athletic hockey show. James joined Ian and Haley uh, this week, so check that out. Yeah, lots of Matthews talk on the. That's our flagship podcast. I recommend that everyone listen to. I believe, uh, I believe Down Goes Brown is on tomorrow, so you should listen to that one. Uh, and if you go to theathletic.com slash leaf report, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months. Pretty good deal, uh, especially in time for playoffs. Uh, James, good day to you, and uh, we will talk soon. Good day to you, Jonas, and all the fine listeners out there.